Coming up on Studios America, Pat Gray stops by with his take on last night's presidential address. Joy Reid can't even go jogging without being an idiot. And I'll dive into the mind of Joe Biden, or lack thereof, and pick apart his marathon speech as we do Biden's first address. Stu does America. Well, Joe Biden's first address. If you know anything about Joe Biden at all, you know his first address. In Scranton, we got it. You're from Scranton. You're always saying you're from Scranton, 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 Scranton. He says Scranton more than the office at Scranton. It's just, uh, stop with the Scranton. His first address may have been in Scranton, but his first presidential address, at least to a joint, uh, sort of a joint group of of Congress, um, was, uh, was, I guess, what you'd expect. It was very, very left. There was some uh, wording in there that, made it attempt to be bipartisan, but in reality, it, it really wasn't. Uh, it was in front of only a couple of hundred people. Usually there's 1,600 people in this room, only a couple hundred there last night because of the coronavirus. We'll get into that here in a second. I want to start, though, with, I don't know, the part that infuriated me the most. I, I don't know how to express how annoyed I was listening to this because this is something I've followed very closely And the fact that he can get away with this with many uh, of the people in the media and many of the American people generally not knowing he's lying. It's just so frustrating. Watch. When I was sworn in on January 20th, less than 1% of the seniors in America were fully vaccinated against COVID-19. 100 days later, 70% of seniors in America, over 65, are protected, fully protected. Senior deaths from COVID-19 are down 80% since January. Mm-hmm. Down 80% because of all of you. Because of who? And more than half of all the adults in America have gotten at least one shot. Wait. A mass vaccination center in Glendale, Arizona. I asked the nurse. I said, what's it like? She looked at me and she said, it's like every shot is giving a dose of hope, was her phrase, a dose of hope. A dose of hope for an educator in Florida who has a child suffering from an autoimmune disease, wrote to me, said she's worried, and she was worried about bringing the virus home. She said she then got vaccinated at a, at a large site in her car. She said she sat in her car when she got vaccinated and just cried. Cried so out of joy. Oh. Cried out of relief. Mm, relief, a, Parents, a relief cry. Seeing the smiles on their kids' faces for those who are able to go back to school because the teachers and school bus drivers and cafeteria workers have been vaccinated. Grandparents hugging their children and grandchildren instead of pressing hands against the window Mm. to say goodbye. Mm. It means everything. Those things mean everything. You know, there's still, you all know it. You know it better than any group of Americans. There's still more work to do to beat this virus. All right. So every shot is a dose of hope. That's kind of how I feel at the bar. Every shot is a dose of hope. This is infuriating. If you go back, and I want you to take a second maybe today, and go back and search for a uh, 60 Minutes uh, episode from last year about uh, COVID and uh, Dr. Uh, General Gus Perna. Uh, Gustav, which is a much better name than Gus. No offense if your name is Gus, but Gustav is a badass name. Gus, eh, 
you know, just kind of normal. But anyway, I think they call him Gus. Gus Perna, he is, uh, he is one of the generals, and he's the general that Donald Trump and the Trump administration put in charge of logistics of this vaccine getting out. And there's this weird thing that uh, Biden is trying to do, which is take responsibility, take credit for the vaccine that Donald Trump was in office for during its creation, that Donald Trump lined up the entire process of logistics uh, and uh, and was approved shortly after Donald Trump uh, lost the election. Now, when Joe Biden took office, this is well known at this point, we did, I think, the day, uh, January 20th, the day that Joe Biden took office, it was 1.3 million vaccines. Again, over 100 days. You don't need to be a mathematician, though it's helpful. With no improvements whatsoever with an increasing supply, you'd still vaccinate 130 million people uh, uh, in 100 days. Now, there are higher rates on certain days, lower rates on certain days. But generally speaking, we can get an estimate of 130 million uh, vaccines. Now, that was because the supply was low. It wasn't because they couldn't distribute so much vaccine. The supply, the supply was low. So as the supply increased, yes, they were able to get more needles and arms. The original estimate of 100 million in 100 days was pathetic. It was lower than they were already doing. He upped it to 200 million, which was very, very gettable. It didn't, you didn't need to do much uh, in, in, in excess of what was already being done to get to that number. How do I know this? Well, go back and watch the 60 Minutes uh, episode with Gus Perna. The general goes through in incredible detail the logistics plan to get this vaccine into people's arms. And it's it's really fascinating. I mean, you could tell it is a really legitimately hard job. And he is an, a, a military logistics expert. That's who Trump picked to put in charge of this. Well, guess who Biden picked to put in charge of this? You might think, oh, what, some crazy socialist off the streets? No, General Gus Perna, the same freaking guy. The same guy is running logistics now for the vaccine that was running the vaccine logistics before when Trump was in office. That's not to say that there was no change at all. Maybe there were some things that they did differently. They may have opened up X and closed Y or whatever. There's, those things are always going to be tweaked. But Pernan was the expert. Pernan was there before and he's there now. And I mean, think about like, you know, Joe Biden somehow gets this incredible credit for the vaccine distribution. Can you imagine if Donald Trump were president? And let's say an entire factory uh, screwed up and contaminated 15 million doses of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine that they just had to throw out. Or the Johnson and Johnson pause is another uh, situation. You think you think Donald Trump would have steered clear of blame for the Johnson and Johnson pause, which, by the way, was a disaster. It shouldn't have been paused. And they've now said it's fine to take. But beyond that. That would have been a major scandal under Donald Trump. These things are just totally, totally different. So him taking control or taking credit, excuse me, for the vaccine is, is particularly infuriating. Um, let me give you, uh, let's see, which one should we do next? Which one do we have next, guys? Uh, I'm uh, Nicole. Oh, yeah, here it is again. This is Nicole Wallace uh, with the, the Donald Trump uh, wrecking going from Biden to the media. Watch. And Operation Warp Speed didn't do anything to get a needle into an arm. So a lot of disinformation. It felt almost scripted by someone close to the president who wanted that revision of President history. Trump. Correct. Again, I just explained this, but I mean, Operation Warp Speed absolutely did get vaccine into people's arms, millions of people's arms. And the plan was there for millions and millions and hundreds of millions more. And the same guys in control. All right, I already ranted about that. That's why I didn't know it was there. Okay, number three. Let's see. Uh, this one I thought was fascinating because it's just a, an extreme 
misunderstanding and, and, and just a blatant lie to the American people about the climate. Well, I think climate change, I think jobs. You think jobs? When you think climate change? American jobs plan will put engineers and construction workers to work building more energy efficient buildings and homes. Okay. Electrical workers, IBEW members installing 500,000 charging stations along our highways. Sounds like fun. So we can own. So we can own the electric car market. We wouldn't own the electric car market. If farmers, farmers planting cover crops so they can reduce the carbon dioxide in the air and get paid for doing it. This sounds very stupid. I was going to plant crops for anything. Think about it. There is simply no reason why the blades for wind turbines can't be built in Pittsburgh instead of Beijing. Okay, stop, no stop. I can't take any more of this clip. There are a zillion reasons why things are produced in Beijing and not in Pittsburgh. A, a zillion of them. I'll start you with one. A government that enslaves its people. It's a lot easier to build stuff with a very low-paid uh, workforce when you have a country like China that's basically willing to execute you if you don't show up. It's really a, it's really a good system. If you want to get people working, that's a great way to go. Uh, not constitutional. Okay, so that's number one. Of course, here, the cost of living is much higher. The cost of materials are much higher. The cost that you keep telling us we have to pay everyone, which is a $15 minimum wage, plus whatever union uh, giveaways are given out on top of that, it makes it impossible to compete with the price that they can, com- they can complete these, ish- uh, these uh, you know, green energy projects with in, in China. Now, that's not to say we can't build some here. We can, but like acting as if there's no reason is completely insane. There's a million reasons why. It's why, why when you call a company, they're taking your phone calls in India. Why aren't they taking your phone calls in Los Angeles? Why not in Beverly Hills? Answer me that. Why don't they answer your phone calls? Why not make solar panels in Beverly Hills? Why? Because it costs more there. Costs less in China. You have to compete on price. We can do a lot of really th- things really well here, but that's not going to change. It's always going to, it's going to be that way for a very long time in the future. Um, let's go with, oh, this one I thought was interesting. What is America? Is it a country? Is it a state? What is it? Joe's here to explain. America is an idea. Oh. The most unique idea in history. Why are you yelling at me? We are created, all of us equal. Hmm. It's who we are. Mm-hmm. And we cannot walk away from that principle and in fact say we're dealing with the American idea. I don't know why he was screaming that America's an idea like we just like trampled his flower bed in his front yard and he's hanging out the window. <laughs> Get off my lawn, kids! Um, look, I, he, he got beat up a lot on this one because America's not an idea, it's a country, it's a state. And like, look, I have some sympathy for, for this thought process. America is... Is is just a landmass, right? It's it, any you know, Turkmenistan is a country. The difference, the thing that separates us and Turkmenistan is not necessarily global uh, location differences. It's not the coordinates that make the difference, right? The constitution makes the difference. The idea behind the country makes the difference. I think you know, generally speaking, this is true. Though there is a a, a, a problem with what he thinks the idea is. Yes, all men are created equal, of course, and that's part of the idea. But part of the idea also is not trampling on the American people and their freedom economically and in so many other ways. I mean, their, their speech, their, their freedom to bear arms. 
you, you, you continually trample on those rights and then say everyone's you know, free and equal. Well, it, it certainly doesn't look that way. And when you look at what's going on in the woke culture and the other things you're trying to pass, uh, you know, straight out of anti-racism uh, teaching, well, that's not an equal world either. That's a, a outwardly um, unfair world in which one race is making decisions based on skin color against other races. That's what we were supposed to be avoiding, I thought. Um, healthcare. Of course, that had to be mentioned, always is. I thought he passed the program when he was vice president that was supposed to solve all these things. Apparently not. Let's listen in. This is all about a simple premise. Health care should be a right, not a privilege in America. Mm. <laughs> this is something they're always going to do. First of all, you don't give us rights. That's not a rights don't come from the government. They come from God and government's supposed to be there to protect them. Even if you don't believe in God, that's how the system was set up here in America. That's how our system operates. These are natural rights. People have rights. You don't get to just create them. Um, and secondarily, like, you know, you can argue for these things and you could say uh, that they are uh, they are right. But that's just your theory. If you want to pass a law that guarantees everyone health care, you can probably get away with that, though it would be fought as unconstitutional uh, all over the place, as it is even now. But I'm so fascinated by the idea that this was supposed to be solved by Obamacare. We were told over and over again that Obamacare was going to solve these issues that they continually complain about. And then once you pass their bill, the same arguments are made in perpetuity. None of it ever makes a difference to them. How many times have they bragged about Obamacare and all the difference it's making until they want more of your money? And then it didn't do anything. It didn't solve any problem. It was just a complete nothing. And, uh, you know, sure, all those trillions of dollars you spent, we're sorry about that, but we need trillions more. Even Biden, who is the only person defending Obamacare from the Democratic Party, even he is out there now saying these things. Let's, uh, let's, let's fix it. Let's, uh, let's finish here. This is uh, towards the end of the speech. He's talking about... Um, America and the, the way that they, they just stick, they have that stick to that everybody wants so much. I stand here tonight, mm-hmm. one amazing. day shy of the 100th day of my administration. I was going to say 100th birthday. 100 days since I took the oath of office and lifted my hand off our family Bible and inherited a nation we all did that was in crisis. The worst pandemic in a century the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, mm-hmm. the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. All right, that's enough. No, 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 no. no. I can't, I can't, I forget, I can't. It is not the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. January 6th, as I've said, was really bad. I called it a national disgrace. I am not a fan of what happened on January 6th. However, it was not the largest attack on our democracy since... The Civil War, that's bonkers. I, any, I, people have done this already. You've probably heard this already today. Obviously, you can run through all the wars and the terrorist attacks and all the terrible things that have happened in this country. But let me give you one specific thing that was definitely a bigger threat to our democracy uh, than January 6th. It happened in 2017. There's no name for it because it's the one mass shooting that didn't get a name. But when a Bernie Sanders supporter started firing bullets at Republican uh, representatives and threatened, if not for the heroic action of two officers, threatened 10 percent of the Republican delegation to be killed. None of them had guns. They would have been 10 percent of them would be dead. 
That's a threat to a democracy. What would have happened in that situation if 10 percent of of representatives were eliminated? Then you would have had a complete imbalance in Congress. You're telling me you don't think the Democrats would have taken advantage of being able to push through a bunch of uh, votes on things that were uh, controversial. Imagine what that would have done to the faith in our democracy. That was a much bigger threat to our democracy. Going in there, look, there was not a there, you could. There were people who said terrible things about January 6th in advance and were and were actually trying to overthrow the Capitol. How serious was that? I don't know. As serious as any idiot in horns is when they say something. I mean, it, it didn't never seem to be a serious threat. Could something really bad have happened? Much worse. Sure. But bullets were actually fired. Steve Scalise almost died. And it's just forgotten. And supposedly the January 6th is this day that we're supposed to remember. I mean, look, uh, none of this is ever going to be fair. You're a conservative. It's never going to be fair to you. Okay? You're going to live your whole life, and the media is never going to be fair to you. You're going to live your whole life, and people like Joe Biden are going to be lying about what, what, what you do, what you say, what you believe every single day. That's part of your life. It's something that you need to be prepared for. You don't want to get used to it, because then you can't, you're not fighting it. But you should be prepared for it. It's going to last forever. It's going to last your entire life. But that doesn't mean we don't call it out every single time it happens. And it's incredibly frustrating to see this be oper- uh, adopted by the media and just thrown out there as if it's the truth. It's not the truth. And so we're going to go through more of the speech with Pat Gray coming up. Trying to buy or sell a home in these times can be challenging. Uh, that's why you need a real estate agent who is going to come in and take charge. The market right now is going insane. This is a good time to sell a house. If you have a house you want to unload, this is probably the time to do it. Why? Because these prices are going up and up and up and up. There's, you know, they're flooding the money with, with uh, dollars. So it's a really good time to sell. Who knows? The market might still go up for two or three more years. It might even be a better time to sell around the corner. If you want to buy or sell a home, you need a good real estate agent. Someone who can look at the market, can judge the local market, which is really important. Because sometimes you see these national numbers and they're going up and, eh, you know, your market might be doing something different. You need someone who really knows the market, who really knows how to get your house in perfect shape to get that sale to go through at the best price possible. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com now. Uh, get that done get your get the right real estate agent for your uh, particular needs uh, anywhere in the country realestateagentsitrust.com welcome back to the studio mr pat gray he's the host of pat gray unleashed here on blaze tv and on youtube also um, somewhat of a purveyor of kexi cookies uh k-e-k-s-i dot mm-hmm. uh, com is the place to go for that i know he's one of the purveyors of it because when i get emails from them i can tell he wrote them I can tell he's written the cookie descriptions. If nothing else, even if you don't like cookies, you should go and read the descriptions for each cookie. <laughs> That's my, my commercial to you today. By the way, we're doing, I'm um, coming up. Uh, I, I noticed after we did Pat and Stew for all those years, we did spoons like every day. Yeah. And I realized that since then, I have not been trying all of the new junk foods every day. So I was thinking we should come up with a new segment. So I came up with one called Stew Eats America. Which, okay. uh, which is essentially like just that. the same thing as spoons. Yeah. But I get to eat things. But you're eating. Show. But I was thinking, what a perfect time to try some Kexi cookies. Right. Will you, will you do one of these with me sometime? Oh, absolutely. All right. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, we have our first, I think, one of the first ones. You can go check it out on YouTube uh, right now if you want, at Studios America. Don't forget about Pat Gray Unleashed on YouTube as well. Pat, the, uh, the speech was, was, what was oh. your overall impression? Let's start there. Uh, well, 
uh, what I saw of it live uh, was uh, <laughs> enough to really make me blow my head off almost. <laughs> Uh, but I only saw the first two or three minutes, so I was. <laughs> it was and much then there was, than that. And then there was a tornado warning, and I had to switch to uh, local television. Did you have the? Yeah, yeah, yeah the tornado going off and everything. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a bad storm night. Um, but uh, it's it's agonizing. It's really hard to get through. It's really hard to get through. Did you think he? I mean, he did stay awake for the whole thing. I mean, there's yeah, some he positives. Did. He did. He actually. He didn't. He didn't stumble like he's very capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple times. And lose himself kind of, uh, I mean, a little bit, but yeah. not a lot, especially in a speech that long. I thought it might be a lot worse. Um, the content was really the The issue. content was so bad that, oh. you know, there's just so much Marxism he's talking about. Oh, yeah. But let's, let's start there because uh, okay. he, we talked about corporate America paying their fair share. Watch. So... How do we pay for my jobs and family plan? I made it clear we can do it without increasing the deficits. Let's start with what I will not do. I will not impose any tax increase on people making less than $400,000. Right. But it's time for corporate America. And the wealthiest 1% of Americans have just begun to pay their fair share. Just their fair share. Why don't we just pay? It's their share. Why? It's so frustrating. It's selfish. It's evil rich people. Yeah. Sometimes I have arguments with my friends in the Democratic Party. I think you should be able to become a billionaire and a millionaire. This is his bipartisanship here. Fair share. Sure. A recent study shows that 55 of the nation's biggest corporations paid zero federal tax last year. Those 55 corporations made in excess of $40 billion in profit. A lot of companies (laughs) also evade taxes through tax havens in Switzerland and Bermuda and the Cayman Islands. And they benefit from tax loopholes and deductions for offshoring jobs and shifting profits overseas. Oh my gosh, this is... It's not right. We're going to reform corporate taxes so they pay their fair share and help pay for the public investments mm. their businesses will benefit from as well. Pat, why don't they just pay their fair share? <laughs> I don't understand it. It's so easy. I why know don't they it just is. Pay it. It is. Um, well, could we determine what that fair share is? <laughs> it's probably. It's obviously over forty-five percent because they're already paying that. Is it? Is it fifty percent? Because in some places they're pay- paying that already. Is it fifty-five percent? Because in New York you're certainly p- paying that already. Is it 60%? Is it 70%? What is the fair share? They I mean, never do answer that, do they? No. No, they don't. And uh, the other thing that I love about that is the guy's been in office for 50 years. <laughs> Why hasn't he done anything about these horrible loopholes where people are paying zero taxes, making $40 billion a year? Uh, you've been there a long time, Joe. Maybe mm-hmm. you should have done something about that already, if that's really happening. Well, he's a little busy working on racism. He's going to solve oh, that one. Oh, he's going to cure true. cancer, too, but that's another, that's another time. He's going to solve racism first. Um, and if you know, uh, he did talk a lot about white supremacy last night. White supremacy is terrorism. Mm. We're not going to ignore that either. My yeah. fellow Americans, look, we have to come together to heal the soul of this nation. 
No one showed up for her. It was nearly a year ago before her father's <laughs> funeral when I spoke with Gianna Floyd, George Floyd's young daughter. She's a little tight, so I was kneeling down to talk to her so I could look her in the eye. She looked at me, she said, my daddy changed the world. Well, after the conviction of George Floyd's murderer, we can see how right she was if, if we have the courage to act as a just Congress. Gotta, just got to do what he wants, that's all. We've yeah. all seen yeah. the knee of injustice on the neck of black Americans. All right, okay, so this, right. that's enough. So basically, if you just do what Joe Biden wants, racism will be solved. <laughs> Is that pretty much what I should take from that? I think so. I think that's, that's a big part of it. Also, apparently, if you're a, a victim of a heinous act by someone, um, you've changed the world. I, I don't even understand how that works. <laughs> how did point. George Floyd change the world? Um, he didn't. If, if people's reaction to it could, I guess. He did change the skyline of Minneapolis. <laughs> that's yeah. uh, Unfortunately, yeah. that's yeah. true. I mean, I mean, he didn't yeah. do it, but no. people did it Again, in his honor. That's true. <laughs> yeah. um, he didn't do any of those things. Uh, he he was just the victim of what turned out to be a crime. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not world changing. It's a really weird definition of changing the world. There's this really strange thing I've noticed on the left, uh, and, and Nancy Pelosi was doing this as well, is they view George Floyd not mm -hmm. as a, a person, right. not as a loved one of their family, but as this representative martyr who se they mm -hmm. think seemingly volunteered to be murdered. It sounds that way, That's doesn't it? not what he did. Like a saint, yeah. uh, like, like a martyr, mm -hmm. and that is not what he did. He didn't wake up in the morning thinking, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to allow a cop to kneel on my neck for nine minutes and be <laughs> right. killed by him. He really didn't he want it to did happen. He did not do that, no. and he didn't want that, and I didn't want that for him, and nobody did. Now, and part of that you could maybe excuse and say, okay, well, they're trying to put a positive spin on a negative event. And we all do that at some level. Like, oh, well, at least he didn't die for nothing. You know, you mm -hmm. try to turn a death, a tragedy into something a little bit more than that. But I think, like, they really just don't see any black person as a as an individual they see them as a representative of black people like there's yeah. black people going out there if someone gets shot by a, a cop then that's a reason for us to rise up about cops shooting black people it's not a, a reason for us to be upset at this particular murder of this particular individual in a particular circumstance it's always just painting this larger america is racist narrative yeah i i had brendan Tatum on my show oh, yeah. earlier today, and he's a, he's he's a former, former cop, for those who don't know, mm -hmm. um, a black uh, police officer. Um, and now he he's uh, he heads up uh, the Blexit movement, mm. where he, it's a black exit. It's just a black exit from the brainwashing, though. Not necessarily the Democrat Party, he says, but just from the brainwashing. And he thinks that once you're, you stop with the brainwashing, you'll leave the Democrat Party. But it's so interesting to listen to him and and the things that he has to say and and the statistics that he cites, because it means so much more coming from a black person than, than it does for me. People just dis, discount, discard what I say about it because they, they assume, well, you're just racist or that's wrong. Or But when he speaks, uh, I just I saw him on the BBC, I think, earlier this week or mm -hmm. last week. And he was so powerful. 
correcting a lot of their misperceptions about yeah. what's going on in America. It's just really powerful. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, too, about that, <clears throat> first of all, you shouldn't make decisions based on skin color. At least that's what I was growing up. I grew right. up to believe. Uh, so dismissing white people's opinion on racism is not actually a good thing to do. It's not. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's like not. it seems to happen a lot. It, it also seems but, to be racism, right? Like when you're yes. eliminating one skin color from a conversation, I don't know what else to call that. It's the hip racism, though. It's yeah. the cool racism mm-hmm. now. Uh, being racist against whitey is perfectly fine. Perfectly <laughs> fine. Would you consider yourself whitey? Yeah. I okay. Would. Okay. I Very much sure. so. Uh, all right. Let's do a little on uh, on the climate. There was a lot of this oh, throughout yeah. the speech, and this they're just still trying these same tricks and the same nonsense. Let's watch. Look. Look. The climate crisis. Oh God. It's not our fight alone. It's a global fight. Global fight. The United States accounts, as all of you know, less than 15 percent of carbon emissions. The rest of the world accounts for 85 percent. That's why I kept my commitment to rejoin the Paris Accord, because if we do everything perfectly, it's not going to only matter. Oh, oh, good. I kept my commitment to convene a climate summit (laughs) right here in America. Like that. With all the major economies of the world, China, Russia, India, European Union. And I said I'd do it in my first hundred days. I want to be very blunt about it. I had my attempt was to make sure mm-hmm. that the world could see there was a consensus. It's a pretty good story. That so we far. are at an inflection point in history. <laughs> the consensus, consensus is if we act to save the planet, mm-hmm. we can create millions of jobs and economic growth and opportunity to raise the standard of living to most everyone around the world. I mean, this is... If you watched any of it and you were all busy, I'm sure you didn't have much time. That's what virtually every nation said, even the ones that aren't doing their fair share. This is is bonkers, Uh, Pat. It's bonkers. And and as they're showing the doofuses in the the audience uh, (laughs) with masks on, every single Uh, person in that audience has been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Every... One of them. What are you? What are you doing the and, mask thing for? And they're social distanced and, for yeah. good measure. Uh, just asinine. I, that's a real. I mean, I, you know, I talked about it a little bit during the monologue, but it's like that's a real. That was a real missed opportunity. If you actually cared about people getting vaccinated and not getting COVID, a great message would have sent would have been to send to the American people, "Hey, look at this room, completely packed as normal. We're mm-hmm. all vaccinated. We can get back to this life if you go get your shot, right?" Right. Now, look, that, that doesn't mean great. we're going to force it. But like, hey, if you want to go get it, go get it, because then we can go back to normal life. Remember 2019, we can go back to those days. Instead, yeah. they made it look like you get no benefit at all from getting vaccinated. <laughs> right. They're doing the exact same thing they were doing before. They're wearing it, N95 masks in a socially distanced room with vaccinated people. Asinine. That's insane. Yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But so is his global warming nonsense. Um, I, I love the fact that it, it, we can be perfect and so can the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. And it's not going to matter. Why are really? we doing this then? I, <laughs> I'm sorry. question too. <laughs> then why? Yeah, yeah. Well, Al Gore admitted it too. Mm-hmm. He was asked by Chris Wallace. He, Chris Wallace said to him in an interview a couple of years ago, even if everybody follows the protocols of uh, the Paris Accord to the letter, uh, it still isn't going to do what you need it to do. And he said, well, that, that, uh, that's true. However, it sends a signal. 
it sends yeah. a signal. Yeah. I, I don't want to send a signal. I, I don't want to spend $90 trillion to send a signal. I want it to do, if you're going to do it, it, it should be doing something. And it's not. It isn't. And they know it. And we know it. And so it's just this game we're playing so that we can look like we're doing something. So much of this is signaling. Virtual, I mean, virtual signaling. It's the same thing you're it. seeing as these guys are wearing N95 masks. Yeah. You know, they're trying to signal you need to wear masks. You know, I was, there's, I was reading something from the New York Times, and they said um, there have been zero, zero, zero documented cases of passing COVID outdoors except in close conversation. Zero worldwide cases. Zero amazing now we have people who are still have mask mandates outside so you could see how crazy this is but in the article it said the re one of the real reasons to wear masks if you happen to be uh, vaccinated is to to perpetrate the mask culture in other words like so everyone sees people wearing masks so they wear them as well if they're not vaccinated like so as a vaccinated person you got to wear it so that everyone sees you wearing it and then they'll wear it too like no is this a medical issue? Are you like, I thought this was about a virus, right? And, yeah. you know, and of course, I didn't actually think it was all about the virus. There's a lot of control being grabbed. But still, there's it. It really is frustrating because if yeah. we want to get out of this, there's a path and we're we're nearing the end. And instead, right. they just keep screwing this up. Right. We're, we're actually getting to a pretty good place and they won't admit that. And they could, like you said, that would have been a brilliant uh, way to handle it last night just let everybody come in fill the place with 1600 people who are all vaccinated and they can sit right next to each other and that's what you can do at home too by july 4th which is what he keeps harping on by the 4th of july you can have all your people over your barbecue and everything would be great but but they don't are you thinking that by july 4th you may have a small gathering of other vaccinated oh, people maybe outdoors? three people yes. who live in my house yes of course that i don't want to risk anything here <laughs> no i'm not thinking that i'm thinking what i thought last year is i'm going to do as i please and uh, <laughs> as i always do <laughs> sounds perfect yeah uh pat gray pat gray unleashed on blaze tv make sure you subscribe to blaze tv.com slash stew it was the promo code stew uh, get 10 bucks off your subscription. You get to watch uh, Pat, uh, Glenn, myself, uh, Stephen Crowder, Mark Levin, Dave Rubin, Ali Sucky. I mean, everybody's here. Chad Prather, everybody's here on Blaze. Make sure to check that out. And, of course, subscribe to the Pat Gray Unleashed YouTube channel and subscribe to the podcast as well. And I, I'm going to mention it again, Kexi Cookies, K-E-K-S-I.com. Wow, and coming up, uh, we have a brand new Stu Eats America, which I think you'll enjoy. And then uh, a future uh, future versions of this with Pat and Kexi cookies as well. This is definitely not a way to scam free cookies. I want to make sure you understand that. <laughs> oh, no, I know. Okay. I totally understand. Because it seemed that. like you were accusing me with your eyes, and uh, I didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> all right, back in a second. Dr. Gupta, I am among the fully vaccinated, uh, joined Team Pfizer, uh, and I did go jogging today in the park, uh, and I did, this was the mask that I wore with a doctor's mask under it, and most of the people that I saw that were in the park, the park was packed, I would say like 95% of the people still had masks on. There are people who are getting really upset about that. I won't name them. Should people be freaking out that some people like myself who are vaccinated are still wearing masks outdoors? Should we do that? I mean, this is completely ridiculous. There's no way Joy Reid jogs. 
you know. But anyway, uh, so look, you shouldn't get mad at other people for wearing masks. Who cares if they want to do it? I mean, like Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in that movie, Eyes Wide Shut, they had a mask on. They're all having sex with each other. It was weird. It wasn't my thing. But you can do it if you want to do it. It's totally up to you. Uh, but it's, there's no scientific reason, certainly, to do it. Certainly not to wear two masks while jogging outside. There's not even, it's not even anything close to science that supports that activity. But of course, there's nothing close to science that, that supports anything that Joy Reid says. She is scientifically unprovable. Uh, that's unfortunately her, her thing. Um, so look, this is what Joy Reid does. It's what you get on that show uh, every single day. And it's bizarre. This person who's caught with homophobic slurs all over his website is the one person who hasn't been canceled for stuff like that. The one person in the world. I don't know how Joy Reid does it, but she does. Maybe she's just wearing enough masks to virtue signal enough to keep her gig. Back in a second. Built Bars. Yes, I know Built Bars. I know their logo very well. How do I know their logo so well? Because there's an entire shelf of my refrigerator that's filled with them all the time. Every time there's a new flavor that comes out, there's a box of them that are just littered all over uh, our refrigerator. My wife eats them two, three, four times a day. She loves these things. In fact, everybody I know loves these things. Built Bar is here to change the way you think about protein bars. High in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in carbs. Works on all the low-carb diets, uh, has been a very, very uh, uh, good sort of nutritional profile. But uh, that's not the real news here. The news is they've got great flavors, and they go with taste first. People love the taste of these things. It's not like a normal protein bar. It doesn't taste like sawdust. Go to BuiltBar.com. Check it out. BuiltBar.com. Uh, use the promo code STU15. You'll save 15% off your next order. STU15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome to Stu Eats America, a presentation of Stu Does America. You might say to yourself, uh, hey, uh, Stu, it already looks like you've eaten America already. No, no, there's plenty still to eat today. We go to the well of Pringles, including their brand new Scorchin' Cheddar Pringles and their brand new Scorchin' Barbecue Pringles. Um, I mean, I'm very excited to dive in. I will say, I pulled a few of these out of the container earlier, and there are some issues to look at when you're buying these. For example, the percentage of, um, I don't know, dust covering is questionable on some of these chips. I mean, there are, there are large, vacant paths. There's, there are flavor deserts located on some of these chips, and I want you to be aware of that as we go in. I'm gonna start off with one with a lot of flavoring. This is the Scorchin' Cheddar, uh, brand new from Pringles. Let's give it a whirl. Mmm. Mmm. It's got a kick to it. I mean, the cheesiness is there. I think one of the things I find a lot with these spicier uh, chips is that they kind of don't go all out on the cheesiness aspect, which is really problematic for me. I'm not a huge flaming uh, Cheetos guy, per se. Mmm. Overall, it's pretty good flavor, though. Uh, 
The heat is interesting too. It's not like explosive heat. It's not like, you know, global warming, not particularly an issue here. It's more of a, a there's a slow burn here. Like it's, it's extending. It doesn't come and then go really fast. Kind of this longer, slow burn, which is not bad. It's kind of nice. Um, I like the flavor. I'm gonna try one more here real quick. This is just me eating them at this point. I'm, I'm done with the taste test. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, let's use, what's the scale? Let's use letter, let's use letter grades so everyone knows. Old school letter grades. We'll give that a, I'll give that a B. I mean, that's a solid chip. I would eat that again. It's not the greatest chip I've ever had. The spice does last a long time, um, but that's a pretty good job. It's not explosive, not gonna kill you. It's not some like, go, you know, ghost pepper challenge thing. It's not a Carolina Reaper. It's just a decent amount of heat on a just slightly cheesy chip. I will say, I would probably upgrade it to a B plus if we didn't have so many vacant lot chips uh, in there. Now, Scorching Barbecue, another one here. Pop these open. I mean, look at this, right off the bat. I mean, I don't know if you can see that. I mean, there's almost nothing on that chip. That's just a regular Pringle right there. Um, let me see if I can find some with some actual dusting. Oh yeah, this is a huge problem. I mean, I'm gonna, I may need to downgrade these. Let's see, okay, here we go. This is um, Scorch and Barbecue from Pringles, Stew Eats America. Hmm. They're like a little dry, I would say. Yeah. Try another one. That's tough. The variance in these chips is it's out of this world. I mean, it's, it, there's too much variance here. These are supposed to be consistent chips. I'm supposed to get the same amount of dusting on each one. I mean, these are all over the board. They're all over the board on this one. I mean, I'm trying to find one with like a max flavor amount. Let me see. This one, this one looks like a maybe the best you can do. Maybe one more shot here. Hmm. Man, look, Pringles are good. Barbecue chips are good. The heat, pretty consistent on both, as it kind of just continues. But I would say there's not a lot of barbecue flavor on those. They're a little dry. I don't know if it's just a bad batch or what. I'm gonna give the scorching barbecue. Um, a C plus. It's not a terrible chip. It's just really underwhelming. I think if I got a good batch of those, I could raise that up to maybe a B or even a B plus. But C plus for the Pringles Scorching Barbecue, a B for the Pringles Scorching Cheddar. Now I'm gonna eat all the rest of these. Thanks for joining us tonight and Doing America. I'm doing it, you're doing it, we're all doing it together. And you can continue Doing America over at my Instagram page, at America. Head over there, give me a follow, hit that link in the bio to find out where to stream and share this stupid little show. And after last night's Biden speech, I'm sure you need something strong to drink this weekend. Why not head over to my YouTube page and revisit the 250th episode anniversary power hour. Uh, it's an all-time classic. If that doesn't drown out the Biden blues, I do not know 
what will. Let me give you this story before we leave. Kid has a science project to do. Comes up with a pretty original idea. He's in sixth grade. He asks the question that maybe you've all asked yourself, if you have a cat in particular. Do their buttholes touch everything they sit on? He put lipstick on them and then charted the progress. The answer, no. Apparently, for the most part, no. Even when they're sitting, cats' buttholes do not touch the stuff they're sitting on.